Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We are kind of in between series. We finished up a series last week and, uh, and I was kind of looking over some of the things I might do and, and you know, things going on. Uh, you, when you see a need, sometimes you, you want to just address the need, right? Uh, I, I've, I've been to several funerals here in the, just the last few days, it seems like. And uh, yesterday, I was in Tennessee at the funeral of my cousin's wife. And uh, after the funeral, there was, there was just a lot of questions asked uh, about some of the things, what it means to be dead in Christ. Or uh, they that sleep, shall he bring with him? And all these different questions about death. And, and it just made me wonder how many people uh, are confused about death, uh, what it is, and, and, and what it is for the Christian. Because death for the Christian is way different than death for the unbelievers. And so uh, I want to I wanna just deal with that today, uh, just that topic, uh, because, you know, if you don't understand it, you're, you're going you're gonna to grieve in a wrong way. Paul told uh, in his, his epistle, he says, I don't want you to sorrow as others who have no hope. Have no, he didn't say don't sorrow, we're going to sorrow, but not like those who have no hope. And, and so we're going to have a clear understanding of the topic of death. Uh, and, and thank God, thank God, when it's all said and done, we win. We win. First Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse number 26. We'll just read one little short verse because I got a lot of, got a lot of verses to go over. All right. First Corinthians 15, 26. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Let's all read it together. Since it's really, really, really short, let's all read. Fairview, you join in with us. Everybody up on the shelf, y'all read too. Help, here we go. You ready? The last enemy that shall be destroyed is and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for a good crowd tonight. Mercy. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness and, and their desire to learn and grow and develop. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity <coughs> to stand here before them and be able to teach. Lord, help me to deliver it in a way they can understand it. I, it, it won't matter how much information we have or how much that uh, we studied if they don't understand what I'm saying. And Lord, I pray that you help me say it in a way that every single person in this room can understand and comprehend the teaching tonight. Lord, fill my, my mind with your, your spirit, control my words, control my thoughts, control my mind. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the glory and give you the honor and give you the praise. Because the only reason we can even talk about this subject with, with, with anticipation and excitement is because of what you've done for us. And God, I'm so glad we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to fear. And death is not the end. Death is not the end. And go, Lord, I pray that you'll just give us what we stand in need of tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> the first little bit I'm going to give you tonight is not in your notes. Uh, but I didn't have enough paper to put it in there, so you can just do whatever you want to do with it. 
Uh, uh, you can, if you got other, other paper that you can write down, you can write some of this stuff down, but, uh, let me just give you as an introduction, <clears throat> just a few things tonight. Someone has written, someone has written, this is not really a poem, but it's just, it's, it's just a way of describing. Someone has written this. There is a preacher of the old school, but he speaks as boldly as ever. He is not popular. Though the world is his parish and he travels every part of the globe and speaks in every language. He visits the poor, calls upon the rich, preaches to people of every religion and not religion. And the subject of a sermon is always the same. He is an eloquent preacher, often stirring feelings which no other preacher could, bringing tears to eyes that never weep. His arguments none are able to refute. Nor is there any heart that has remained unmoved by the force of his appeals. He shatters life with his message. Most people hate him. Everyone fears him. His name? Death. Every tombstone is his pulpit. Every newspaper prints his text. And someday, every one of you will be his sermon. Everyone. If the Lord tarries his coming, this is a topic and a subject that we're just not going to avoid. We can't, we can't get out of it. We're not going to be late for it. Uh, death is number one. This is not in your notes, but if you want to write it down, I, I, you can throw this down. Death is sure. Death is sure. Hebrews nine twenty seven, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Death is sure. Nobody's getting out of this thing alive. Genesis 3, 19, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return into the ground for out of it wast thou taken for dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. Psalms 89, 48, what man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah. Ecclesiastes 8, 8, there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he the power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. Number one, death is sure. Number two, death is scary. Death is scary. Job 18, four, or excuse me, Job eighteen fourteen. His confidence shall be rooted out of his tabernacle. And it shall bring him to the king of terrors. In the Old Testament, the book of Job describes death as the king of terrors. It's probably the number one thing that people fear and are afraid of. The king of terrors. Hebrews 2.14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them... Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Bondage is slavery. What, what are you saying there is people, humanity, because of their fear of death is, is basically slaves to their fear. And Jesus died to deliver us from that bondage. Say amen. We don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be a slave to fear. Death is sure. Death is scary. But death is soon. Death is soon. Job 9, 25. Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away. They see no good. 
Psalms 39, 5, behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, the width of a hand. James 4, 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. Death is sure. And, and to some people, and to some people, death can be scary. But let's talk about death today. Uh, number one, this is, now we can get into our notes. That's just, just, a, just something I couldn't fit on your paper, but I wanted you to have, okay? Uh, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about death. We got to go all the way back really to understand what death is exactly. We have to go all the way back to the beginning of time, the beginning of humanity, in the beginning, in the creation in Genesis. All right. So number one, if you're taking notes, we see death is determined. Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Where was death determined? I mean, what, what, what was the origin of death? How did it, how did it come into being? If you, if we go back to uh, Genesis chapter number two, now this is in your notes. You can look there. Genesis chapter number two and verse 16. And by the way, it was no mistake that y'all got colored uh, uh, colored uh, uh, notes there, all right? And the reason I did that is because we're going to be all over the place. We're going to be bouncing like a pinball. Say amen. And, 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 and there's so much stuff there on that paper that kind of runs together. You got what I normally see every time I preach. I put things in color code so I can know what, how and where and put and so forth and so on. If you don't like it, it'll be black and white next week. <laughs> amen. All right. <clears throat> okay. All right. Now, does that make sense? Everybody good? Uh, okay. All right. Now, Genesis 2. Let's look at Genesis 2 verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely. That's the first time we find that word. It's the first time we find that word in the day that thou shalt eat of it in the day that thou shalt eat of it. Thou shalt surely die. Now, now. That poses a problem, not really a problem, but it poses a question. All right. From my Bible, I read that Adam lived many years. Did he die physically the day that he ate the fruit? Now, how do we know that? How do we know that? Look around. If he did, you wouldn't be here. Does that make sense? So what, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? If he said in the day, in the day, the day that you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. Now, does that mean that, that God lied? No, no. It doesn't mean that God lied. We need to understand what he meant when he said that in that particular situation. Okay. In order to do that though, in order to understand that, we need to go back a little further in the, in the, in the creation and talk about what Jesus and, and the spirit and the father had in their discussion when they made man. So look at the next verse, Genesis 1 26, Genesis 1 26. And God said, let us. us, isn't that amazing? And God singular or plural. Singular. And God said, let us. 
Singular or plural? Plural. That means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? Now, watch this. Watch this. Let us make man in our what? Image. Image. And after our likeness. Okay? So verse 27. Verse 27. So God created man in his own, in the image of created he him. Now, now, so the question is, what is his image? What what is his image? Does that mean, does that mean that God looks like the human body? No, because we know the Bible says God is spirit. And it also says he is invisible. God is light. Are y'all with me? Now, so what is he talking about? What is he talking about? When he said, let us make man in our image after our what? Likeness. Say that with me. After our likeness. He was not talking about the physical body. He was talking about the Trinity. The Trinity. God is a Trinity. God the Come on, everybody. God, the God, the and God, the let's make man like us, a Trinity. So he made man a body, a soul and a spirit. Y'all with me, which makes up a Trinity. But guess what? Every part of you is a Trinity. You have three major joints all over your body. Your arm has three major joints. Your fingers have three major joints. Your legs have three major joints. Your body is three major parts, head, torso, and legs. You are in the image of a triune God. Are y'all with me? Now you got to understand that. You got to understand that. I know it seems like we're bouncing around, but, but I, I went to one. I said, okay, in order to understand that, they got to understand this. But in order to understand that, they got to understand this. That's why we're bouncing around and you got to color copy. Say amen. Okay, now he said, he said, the day you eat of that fruit, you shall surely die. die. Now, did he physically die in that moment? No. no, or we wouldn't be here, right? So he wasn't talking about a physical death. He wasn't talking about a physical death. Now, so what was he talking about? Now we know, now we know in the image of God, we were created in the likeness of God, we were created. So that means we have a Soul, spirit, and body. Body, soul, and spirit. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, let me give you two verses to help you see that. When he's referring to a lost man, when he's referring to a lost man, in Matthew 10, 28, this is what he said. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both and in, what did you not see? Spirit. He just said soul and body. Now watch. First Thessalonians 5.23. Now he's referring to a what kind of man? Saved man. Now when he referred to a lost man, he just used the term soul and body. All right. To a saved man, this is what he says. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole and and be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's that mean? It means a lost man has a soul 
and a but a saved man has a that make sense? So let's go back to Adam. Let's go back to Adam. In the day, in the day that ye shall eat it, ye shall surely die. die. Now, did he, did his body die? Nope. He lived to be, I think it was 900 something years old. All right. That wasn't, that wasn't so. It wasn't his body. Did his soul die? No, because it can't die. It is an ever living soul. When man, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul, a never dying soul. So what died? His spirit. spirit. Now, Now let's understand that. Let's understand that. Let's describe, let's define so we know the differences between the spirit, the soul, and the body. All right, look here. This is not in your notes, but you might want to write this down. I really meant to put this in your notes, but I forgot. So... The body is the part that relates to others. The body is the part that relates to others. In other words, it uses the five senses. Touch, taste, smell, sight, and hear. Right? That's how the body operates. Touch, taste, smell, seeing, hearing. That's how we relate to others. I don't see your soul. I can't see your soul. I can't see your spirit. But I can see your body. Okay? That's how we relate to each other. You hear me speak from my my mouth, right? You're seeing my body. I see your body. That's how we relate to others. Does that make sense? Amen. All right. Now, the soul is how we relate to self. It's awareness. It's consciousness. It's mind, will, emotions, reason, logic. That's your soul. Your soul is your consciousness. Okay? That's how you relate to yourself. You're aware. Your awareness. Does that make sense, everybody? Now watch this. Your spirit. Now your body is how you relate to others. Your soul is how you relate to self. It's awareness, consciousness. Your spirit is how you relate to God. In other words, your body is your connection with others. Your soul is your connection with self. But your spirit is your connection to God. That is where I put, I put with the body, uh, touch, taste, smell, sight here. I put with the soul, mind, will, emotions, logic, thinking. But the spirit is worship, is prayer, is communion. What did, what did Jesus, what did Jesus tell the woman at the well? What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? God is a spirit and must be worshiped in what? Spirit and in truth. Now you see, that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. You know, there are some, there are some soulish songs. There are some soulish songs. They're not spiritual at all, but it will move your emotions. It will move you. I don't have to be in church to cry at a song. Every time I hear cats in the cradle, I cry. Every time I hear Merle Hager sing me back home, I'm crying with that, thing, that one going to, the, going to the electric chair. Y'all with me? It's soulish. Come on, don't act like y'all don't cry over a, a non-spiritual song, y'all. Don't even start that with me. 
Amen. He stopped loving her today. I knew I was going to get you a one, Brother Hunter. Amen. That's a soulless song. It, 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 it attaches to your emotions. Now, but a spiritual song only responds, or your spirit only responds to truth. Truth. In other words, there's a lot of soulless songs in church that will make you tap your toe or, or, or grab your emotions. It's really not spiritual at all. Your spirit will not respond to anything but truth. And it's the only thing that connects to God. Now, so his, his body didn't die. His body didn't die because he was there being addressed by God and he, he lived and, 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 and was father to all of humanity. His physical body didn't die in that day. His soul didn't die in that day because it's a never dying soul. He had a living soul that will, will live forever. What died? His spirit that which connected him to now watch what happens. What, what did they do when they took of the fruit? What did they do when they took of the fruit? What did they do? They hid. Now they were so, they were so used to, they were so used to in a habit of walking with God in the cool of the day, fellowship, communion with God. Walking and talking and having relationship and fellowship with God in the cool of the day. But after they sinned, their spirit died and God said, hey, Adam. God looked down and he could no longer see himself. They went from a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit to a dichotomy, body, and soul. And their connection with God was broken. Broken. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. So write this down. First of all, we see the consequence of disobedience. The consequence, spiritual. Look, look it's right there. Miss George, George, will you help us now? You ready? The consequence of disobedience is spiritual death, death not physical. Not physical. Does everybody understand that? But, but, but. B. The curse of disobedience. The curse. The consequence. What happened? What happened as soon as they took of the fruit, their soul, or excuse me, their spirit died. That which is connected to God, that where we have fellowship and we pray and we have a connection with God, we pray to him, we're connected to him, we speak to him, he speaks to us through our spirit, we're connected to God. And by the way, when you hear lost people talk about praying to God, that's a lie. How can you pray when you're not connected? That's like them old phones with the wire to it, you know, and the man's acting like he's talking on the phone and it ain't even connected into the phone. Are y'all with me? You cannot worship when you're not connected. You cannot pray when you're not connected. You cannot fellowship when your spirit is dead. Hello. Okay. That's the, that's the, that's the consequence. But look at the curse. Now, after after that happened, God confronts all of them, right? He confronts all three of them, confronts the snake, confronts Eve and confronts Adam. Y'all with me? 
Remember? All right. Now watch this. Genesis 3, 17. And unto Adam, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. If you don't like your job, that's why. That's why. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. In other words, he's going to say, for the rest of your life, you're going to have to work hard. And it's going to be hard. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou... Watch this. Watch this. The consequence of disobedience was spiritual death. But then, then, God cursed man. That came after the spiritual death. Does everybody see that? In the day that you eat of that fruit, thou shalt surely their spirit die. And because of that, because of their disobedience, because of their rebellion, God said, not only that, not only that, but I'm going to curse you and you're going to have to experience physical death because of your disobedience. The wages of sin is death. Does that make sense? So, so, so then, so then because of that, we see the conclusion, the conclusion. What what do we need need to do about this? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter number three. All right. Watch this. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, rabbi, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Say it again. Born again. again. Now, anytime you you think, you hear the word born, all right, birth, which sense do you think about? Body, soul, or spirit? Body. All right, physical, right? Well, that's just natural. That's what he was thinking, okay? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, Nicodemus is, is thinking with his soul. He's thinking with logic, right? Now, it's not logical for this to be a physical possibility, right? Now, why is he thinking with his soul? Because his spirit is. Okay. Except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So it's obvious that he was thinking what? The body. Physical. Right? But watch what Jesus says. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, some people get verse 5 confused. They think that's baptism. has nothing to do with baptism. Zero. And verse 6 is a commentary or an explanation of verse 5. Jesus knew people would get that confused, so he tagged on verse 6 with it. So he would understand what he meant when he said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says this, that which is born of the is, and that which is born of the is, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That means that when you see a tree. And, 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 the, and we see the wind on this side of the tree and, and these leaves over here moving, but ain't nothing moving over here. You can see it moving, but you can't see what's moving it. Is that, you understand? Now look, and thou hearest the sound thereof. You can hear the wind, but you can't see it. So, oh, but I see the dust. Now, dust ain't wind. Dust is caught up in the wind, but you can't see the wind. But canst not tell whence it cometh to where it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So, what is he saying? Because, because your spirit is dead, it must be born again. Now, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Unless a man be born of water and of the spirit, he's saying this, water there is the physical birth. Say that with me. It is the and spirit is the spiritual birth. In, in order to experience life on this earth, you must be born of water. But in order to experience life in heaven, you must be born of the spirit. Does that make sense? So, so now we're starting to understand death. All right. Death is not just physical. It can be spiritual too. All right. Does that make sense? Now, where did death come from? Death came from the garden, came from the very beginning. When man disobeyed and did what God said not to do, God pronounced death. Their spirit died in the day they ate it. Their spirit died. Their connection with God was disconnected. They were separation from the the fellowship of God. Does that make sense? But because of that, God cursed them and said, because of what you've done, you're not going to live forever. Think about that. They would have never physically died if they had been obedient to Christ. Just been obedient to God. They would have. But anyway, they did. Here we are. Now, that's, that's, the, that's the, the understanding of the origin of death. Now, is everybody on the same page so far? Have we, have, have we, everybody good? All right. I don't want to move along. I'll explain it till I have to. All right. Now, we see the, we, we see death determined death determined now we know we know that physical death physical death is a result of spiritual death you are dead in your trespasses and in sins right all right now look at number two let's talk about it what exactly is it what exactly is death we see number two death disgust Death disgust. First of all, write this down. What in the easiest, easiest way we can understand the definition of death. Here's, here's what I want you to write down. Death is separation. Death, in the easiest way, the easiest word to use, is separation. 
All right. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. You there? Then shall the dust, that's your body. What did he say, Adam? I made you out of dust and you're going to return to dust. Everybody in here, you're dusty. You ever wonder why you could take a shower and be completely sure enough, spotless clean, put on a white shirt with a white collar and sweat in that collar and your collar be dirty? That's because you're made of dust and you're going to return to dust. Hello? And this is what he's saying. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the shall return unto God who gave it. So what is the, what is the, what is death exactly? It's separation. Second Corinthians five, eight. We are confident. I say is Paul speaking. We are confident. I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. That's the dust and to be present with the Lord. Now the word absent means to vacate. So what exactly is death? When you're for the saved, when your soul and spirit leave your body, that's death. It vacates. It separates from. It separates from. And separation is a, is a very important word because there's going to be a second death. Y'all remember? We, we talked about that in Revelation when they're cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death or use the word we just used. All right. The first death is a separation is a separation of your soul and spirit from your body. But the second death is a separation from God eternally. Now, does that make that make more sense? The second death. All right. It's a separation. That's what it is. Your body, your conscious awareness, your conscious awareness, your connection to you and God go to heaven. Okay. It's separated. Now, now B, write this down. Death, death is separation. B, death is simply relocation. Relocation. All right. We said death is separation. It's absent from the body. Say that with me. It's separation. It is but, but it's relocation because Paul also said, if I'm, if I'm absent from the body, then I will be present with the Lord. Does that make sense? All right. Death causes a separation. My soul and spirit leave and separate it from my body, which is dust. And it's going to return back to the dust. But the minute, the moment that I am vacated from this body, I am present with the Lord. Now look at what the word present means. Being before the or being in company. Now let's read that again so so y'all really get this. Be read it with me. Being before the face or near, being in company. With who? The Lord. The Lord. Immediately. 
No, no, no. Now, see, what do, we, what do we do with that? What are we doing? Like, why am I really emphasizing this and reinforcing this? Because it's going to tear apart a lot of false teaching. One, the Catholic Church teaches you that there's a purgatory. No such animal. There's no such thing. That is heresy. That's false teaching. There's no such thing as purgatory. Purgatory is just used for them to extort money from foolish people who don't know their Bible, who will give offerings to try to get their loved ones out of purgatory on into heaven. There's no such thing. All right. Also, also there's a false teaching that's called soul sleep, soul sleep. And they use the word sleep that we, we and, and when we talk about the rapture, you're not going to prevent them to which are asleep. You know, uh, uh, Jesus said, uh, Lazarus sleepeth and I go to wake him. Right. And, and they say, well, if he's asleep, he said, no, he's dead. Listen, the word sleep is used by God for God's people. So you understand it's sleep ain't a scary term and God doesn't want you to be afraid he, doesn't, he wants you to think your body's asleep, but don't sweat it because your awareness, your conscious state is going to be with me. Does that make sense? And you got to understand that there's no in between. Say, so how do you know that? Look here, look here. Jesus said, 2343, and Jesus said unto him, talking about the thief on the cross. Now, now what was fixing to happen to the thief on the cross? He died. In just a matter of minutes after Jesus said that he was going to be dead, but watch what Jesus says to him. Verily I say unto thee, come on today, today shalt thou what? All right. Paul says to be absent from the bodies to be, he said today you will be with me. He will be present with the Lord. Y'all with me? Now watch this, Ephesians 3.15. Ephesians 3.15. Of whom the whole family, talking about God's people, God's family, right? Of whom the whole family in and is. All right, there's two places named. Give them to me. Heaven and earth. Only two. No, no others. Only two, heaven and earth. In other words, you're either going for the child of God, for the child. Now, if you're not saved, we need to help you with that. We need to help you with that. Your body and soul right now, you're not, you don't have a spirit. Your spirit's dead, but we can introduce you to one who quickeneth the spirit. But there's only two places you can be present, either heaven or earth. So if you're not present on earth, you are going to be present in. Does that make sense? That's that's so important. That's so important. Listen, look here. Look here. A, say it with me. Death is separation. It's separation. It is a separation of the soul and spirit from the body. The body is going to return to the earth. It's going to return to the dust. It's going to go back to where it came from. And so the spirit and the soul will go back to God who gave it. All right. Paul said to be absent from the body, to be absent from the body. We vacate this body, but it's also a relocation. 
We're going to be present with the Lord. It just means that we're going to shut our eyes on this side of eternity and open them up. And we're going to be looking Jesus face to face. Immediately. Immediately. We're not going to be in a conscious sleep, you know, in an unaware state till the resurrection. All right. Here's another proof of that. I, I, I seen the dude on TV teaching this junk. Saying, when you die, you're going to go to sleep, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And when you wake up, it's just going to be when you go to sleep tonight. And in the morning, you wake up just a short period of time. Even though all the saints of God, all the saints of God have, have been asleep, it's going to be like they just wake up in a, in a, in a morning. How's, that's ignorant. What happened on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration? Anybody remember? What happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John went up there with Jesus. When they woke up, they saw two people talking with Jesus. Hello. Anybody remember who they were? Moses and Elijah. Were they asleep? They were wide awake. Hello. They were not in a soul sleep. They were not in an unconscious awareness. They were just like we're going to be one day. Are y'all with me? So, so very important. It's, it's, we're, it's just a relocation. You're not going to cease to be alert. You're not going to cease to be aware. You're not going to cease to be conscious. You're just going to relocate from earth to heaven. All right. Now, now here's, here's the, the, the really important part for everybody. The Bible calls death an enemy and it is. It is. It causes tears to come to our eyes. I experienced a lot of grief this past week, yesterday. Just, I get home yesterday and then it wasn't that, that much driving. It's about three hours over there and three hours back. But man, I felt like I drove 15 hours just dealing with grief and sorrow. And it is an enemy. I hate it. I hate it. I hate what it causes. I hate the, the results of it. I hate the separation. Listen, but you need to know it's temporary. It is very, very temporary. It will be defeated. Church, say amen. amen. Number three. Number three. Death defeated. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. We, we read it first off in, in the beginning. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is... 2 Timothy 1.10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Read it with me. Who? Say it again. And hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Say amen. amen. Revelation 20 verse 14. And death and were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Or what did we say it was? The second separation. The first separation is when your, your soul, if you're lost, your soul will be separated from your body, your physical body. And guess what? There's going to be another resurrection. You're going to come back. You're going to come back and stand before the great white throne judgment. And you're going to be condemned in your sin and cast into the lake of fire, which will be the second separation. And that separation will be an eternal separation from God. But it don't have to be. It don't have to be. You can be saved. 
you who are dead in your trespasses and in sins can be born again. Can be born again. You can be made alive. You have the quickened. Quickened. The word quickened means made alive. He's, he's the quickener of the dead. He can make you alive. He can, listen, that spirit can be, and by the way, birth always requires a seed. Can't have birth without seed. And the seed, according to scripture, is the word of God. That's a whole nother message. We ain't got time, but boy, that's good. So what happens to those who are born again? What happens to those who are born again? In, in the section of death defeated, death is really going to be defeated in two ways, in two ways, uh, not by two means, but basically two ways. First of all, first of all, we see evidence of death cheated or defeated by a man named Enoch and a man named Elijah. What happened to Enoch and Elijah? They got caught up, right? It said, it said that Enoch walked with God and was not. Because God took him. One day he was walking with God, fellowshipping with God, praying to God, having a great time with God. God said, it's closer to my house than yours. Just come on to my house. And took him. Y'all know what happened with, y'all know what happened with Elijah? One day God sent chariots and took him home. Called up. Took him. That is a preview of the rapture of the church. So how is death going to be defeated? By the rapture. Some of us, some of us are going to defeat death because we ain't never going to see it. Paul thought he was going to be one of them. He did. In, in all of Paul's writings, he clearly expected to be part of the rapture, was looking toward the rapture until the very end when he realized that his time, was, his, his time had come. You read in, in, in his letters to Timothy You'll find out where he said, I fought a good fight. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew he, but in the other writings, he was, he was expecting the imminent return of Christ. Watch this. Watch this. First Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now, let me explain that a minute. I, I got to do this quick. All right. Everybody look at me. This letter, 1 Thessalonians, is, is a letter written to the church at Thessalonica because they had gotten an a, 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 a imposter, had wrote a letter from saying it was from Paul, but it wasn't from Paul, telling them all that they had missed out on the rapture. That they had missed out, uh, you know, that the, 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 the day of the Lord was coming because they were going through so much suffering and they were going through so much persecution. They had heard of the day of the Lord which is, which is the tribulation period. And they thought they would all, they were already in the tribulation period and they had missed out on the rapture because of the false letter and because of the persecution they were enduring. Does that make sense? Say amen. And so Paul is writing this letter to comfort them and to encourage them and say, look, you didn't miss the rapture. You didn't miss the rapture. And they had a question, you know, if the rapture is going to take place, what about all our loved ones that have died? Are they going to miss out? Are they going to miss out? Are they not going to be able to, you know, they didn't have a clear understanding of, of, of the resurrection of the rapture and what was going to take place. Look what he says. 
I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. When he uses the word sleep, he's talking about death. Those that have died. That ye sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. That was a question that was asked me yesterday. What does it mean to sleep in Jesus? That means that you died in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a... In other words, when you get saved, the moment you trust Christ, God the Father puts you in Christ. And he sees you like he sees Christ. No matter what, he sees you perfect, spotless, sinless, just like he sees his son. You are in Christ. You are safe, secure in Christ. And if you die, you die. Does that make sense? But if you are lost, you're not in Christ. You just die. Does that make sense? All right, now, watch this. They which sleep in Jesus, in Christ, will God bring with him. For this we say, did y'all see that? Will God bring with him? That means they have been with him. Anyway, y'all, I hope y'all caught that. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep or those who have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He's saying, we're going to see each other again. We're going to see each other again. Matter of fact, we're going to see each other before we see Christ. The living Those who are living. Now watch. Look what it says. Uh, Verse 17. Who's speaking? Who's speaking? Paul. Paul. Watch what he says. Then we which are. Do y'all see what that means? He was expecting to be alive at the rapture. He was expecting the imminent return of Christ. Now. So the good thing is. The good thing is. At the rapture of the church, those who are alive defeat death. They cheat death. They will not die. I expected a little more encouragement right there. I guess y'all just want to die then, huh? I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for the rapture. I just soon go in the air. But I got good news. If we don't. If we don't, the second part, I want you to write down. Death is defeated by the rapture and by the resurrection. Look at the resurrection. This is great. First Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, let me, let me explain this. Boy, we get, we, we, that clock is really too fast. When he uses the word mystery here, He's not referring to something that's hard to understand. Does everybody understand that? Sometimes when we have a mystery, we're we're trying to figure something out. We can't figure it out. It's, it's a mystery. That's not what this is talking about. When he, when Paul uses the word mystery, it means something that they didn't know before, 
but now is being revealed. In other words, the people in the Old Testament didn't know anything about the church. The people in the Old Testament didn't know that God was going to bring Jew and Gentile together as one body in the church. They had no idea. It was a, and what he's fixing to tell us here is a, in other words, the resurrection, the changing of the body. They didn't, they were confused about the resurrection. They didn't understand the resurrection. Some of them didn't even believe in the resurrection. It was a mystery. According to scripture, it says that the rapture was a mystery too. That was revealed to the apostle Paul by the Lord himself, by the word of the Lord. That's what it says in, in, uh, let's see, what verse was it? Where do you see by the word of the Lord? For the Lord, no, I don't know what it say. Verse 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm explaining this to you because it was given to me by himself. The Lord himself. Does that make sense? Amen. Now watch this mystery. Watch what's fixing to be revealed to us. We shall not all, in other words, we're not all going to, we're not all going to die. We're not all going to die physically, but thank God we shall all be changed. Now, when is this change going to take place at the rapture? When we're going to be called up together, this is when this change is going to take place in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. Now, when do we, when did we learn that the dead were going to be raised at the, at the rapture, what we just read in first Thessalonians chapter four. So this is the timetable. We know when this is going to take place. The, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible. Look at your neighbor and say, you're corrupt. I'm just preaching Bible, y'all. Some of you spouses said that with a little too much authority. So how do you know you're corrupt? I need these glasses. I need that blood pressure medicine. I need some Bengay every other night. Do I have a witness? We're breaking down, y'all. That's why I can't hit no six iron 200 yards no more. Getting old. Somebody told me on the golf course the other day, I said, man, I used to get hit that. They said, preacher, you're getting old. We're corrupt. That just means we're, we, we break down. That's all that means. We break down. And by the way, guess what else is corrupt? Everything. A new house gets old. A new car falls apart. Just, just keep it long enough. Because everything in this world is temporary. And is passing away. Oh, mercy. Our bodies are corrupt. We're talking about the physical body here, y'all. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal, I'm mortal. I, I, can, I can hurt. I can experience pain. I can physically die. I'm mortal. But in the resurrection, I'm going to put on. So when this corruptible shall have put on, and this mortal shall have put on, then, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, 
death is swallowed up in Oh, death, where is thy? Oh, grave, where is thy? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, because of what you just read, my beloved, be ye and and. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now look at me. I got three minutes. We're not all going to die. But we're all going to be changed. Now, your loved one that passed away in Christ. His soul or her soul and spirit is with Christ right now. They're in the presence and in the comfort of Christ right now. Y'all with me? we, we We see this clearly described by Jesus with the rich man Lazarus. It says that Lazarus, who was a believer, even though he was poor and he suffered here on earth, the rich man had everything he wanted on earth, but he was an unbeliever and he died without Christ. The, 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 Lazarus, he died as a believer. And the Bible said when Lazarus died, the angels carried him. He was carried to be in Abraham's bosom in paradise to be comforted. The Bible says the rich man died and they buried him. Lazarus was carried. The rich man was buried. And it says in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torment. He sees, which that's a whole nother sermon I'll have to explain. But the point is this. He asked for the tip of his finger to be put in water and to cool his tongue. He said, for I am tormented in this. What does that teach us? What does that teach us? Your soul and spirit can see, can hear can smell, can touch, can feel and be tormented in hell. Your soul, your awareness, you never cease to exist, guys. Your soul will live on forever in one or two places, heaven or hell. The choice is yours. I would rather be carried than buried. Now, 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 let's talk about 44 seconds. What's it going to be like when, when the resurrection takes place? What is that new body, that immortal body, that incorruptible body going to be? Well, the Bible says flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. When Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross and came back, he said, come touch me for I am flesh and bone. Not blood. He said flesh and bone. Now, he had a perfect body, a glorified body. Y'all with me? Glorified body. He could still eat. 
You remember? He ate honeycomb, ate a fish sandwich. Say amen. But he could appear and disappear. He could walk through walls. He was in, listen, the, the disciples was in an upper room that was locked in. They were scared to death. They were going to be arrested again. And Jesus just walks through the wall and said, what's up, guys? He would appear in Galilee. He would appear in Jerusalem. Guess what? The Bible says it does not yet appear. I think, I think it's first John chapter two, or chapter three. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, we shall be. We shall be like him. So it does not yet appear. He said, I I don't know everything. I don't, I don't have it all. I'm not exactly sure exactly how everything's going to be, but I do know this. When we see him, we're going to be like him. We're going to be like his glorified body. I do know this. It's going to be perfect. And there's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any sorrow. There's not going to be any tears. There's not going to be any prescriptions. There's not going to be any glasses or heart medicine or insulin. It's going to be perfect. Perfect. And, and I think 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's either 1 Corinthians chapter 5 or 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said, man, I can't wait to get it. I can't wait to be clothed with my heavenly tabernacle. He uses the term tabernacle and house. Tabernacle is a tent, which is kind of appropriate. You know, this body that we have, this physical body is just temporary. Don't get all tore up. Paul says, hey, listen, this is all temporary. It's corruptible. It's going away. We got one better waiting on us. Don't let death scare you. Listen, we can be prepared for it. When, when our loved ones die in Christ, we're not saying goodbye. We're saying, I'll see you in a little while. And all God's people see it. 